Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. What do you think makes a good story? Shout out. Drama. Drama. Oh, thanks. Yeah. For... Eh? Humour. Okay, interesting. Ending. Say again? Decent oh, a decent ending. Yes, yes. Well, kill off the main character. Killing off the main character. Okay. <laughs> Controversial. <laughs> Any, anybody else want to shout anything out? Characters. That's a good one. That was on my list. Thank you. A car chase. <laughs> a car Actions having consequences. Ooh, very almost philosophical there, Tim. I like it. Um, well, I didn't go quite in depth as that, but I love where you guys have taken it. Um, I I actually looked up and I thought, when did we like write stories? When did we learn what makes a good story? Um, and when you're in key stage two at school, primary school, year six, about ten, nine, ten years old, um, that you would know if they were here, they would tell you a good story has a good setting. It has characters, and uh, something that I discovered recently on a, a lovely teacher assistant website is Story Mountain. Story Mountain. I'm not sure whether you've ever taken a, a, a trip up Story Mountain, teachers of you here. I know, I'm not sure if you've seen this before, but apparently a good story, the plot of a good story, the narrative of a good story, it has a good opening, a nice strong opening. It's got a build-up to this dilemma at the peak. You have a resolution, and you're going to have... A good strong ending. You can have a good ending. So this is Story Mountain. Um, and kind of a bit like you, I'm not into the car chases, not into maybe like the killing people off, but I do love a good cliffhanger. I love it when you get to an end of a chapter and um, you, there's more you want to find out. There's more you want to read on. Um, and I also love it when you have a story and you, you get to the end and you look back and there's these like little nuggets, these little Easter eggs, and you're like, aha! They told us that right back in chapter two, and ah, oh, it's all come together, it's all lovely. Um, and that's stories. And I'm going to talk this morning a lot about stories, lots of different types of stories. But um, when I'm referring to that, I'm just meaning, um, stories can be a lot of things. Uh, and I'm just really meaning an account of an event. Um, my husband, Dan, he sat at the front, he will tell you that I am terrible at telling a story. Um, I'll come home from work and I want to tell him, oh, you'll never guess what happened in my day. And I will go round the houses, I will give you minute, insignificant details um, before I ever get to the peak of my story mountain. I'll never get there, um, and I'll forget probably what I'm trying to tell you, and you'll be really bored. So I'm really terrible at telling stories. Um, but we are going to dive in into a new series this morning, um, into a story in the Bible about a guy called Joseph. Um, and this is really exciting for us. It's such a fantastic story. There's so much going to unfold over the next weeks as we look into this story. It's in the book of Genesis, right at the beginning of the Bible. Um, and before we do dive in, I know some of you will be very familiar with this story. Um, and some of you won't have heard this story at all. Um, and if you're one of the people sat in here and you've, you've, you've heard the story of Joseph, you know the story of Joseph, I'm going to ask you to try and park that, put that um, put that aside for now, and I'm going to invite you to take a look into the story of Joseph with a fresh new perspective, um, a fresh new set of eyes, just so we can really um, just see the richness of what God wants to tell us through the story of Joseph. 
And in our time together this morning, I want to do three things. I want to firstly just set up the story that's going to unfold, um, a bit of context that you might um, be interested in knowing that might help us to unpack what's in the story of Joseph a bit more, a couple of things perhaps to look out for. But I want to mainly just introduce you to the characters that we're going to see uh, and look a, a bit at the characteristics of these characters. Who are they? Um, just so as we are moving through this story, um, we can really see um, how God is moving. So before we dive in, before we even read anything, I just want to set the scene a little bit. Because um, the story of Joseph, as I say, is part of a larger book. It's part of the book of Genesis. But the book of Genesis is part of the larger narrative of the whole Bible. Um, it starts with the creation of the universe, um, of humankind, and it explores that unique relationship between God and his people. Um, and it follows the book of Genesis, a number of different families, um, uh, and their stories and their, their kind of uh, family narratives. And um, our story is going to open up onto the family of Jacob. And I think it's really uh, helpful and important to know that Earlier in the book of Genesis, before our story begins, we read that God has made a promise, a covenant with a guy called Abraham. Um, And in this promise to Abraham, I'm just going to read it. Hopefully it'll come up on the screen. It is on the screen. It says, God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will we be called Abram. You will be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and to be the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give to you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God. And this is really key to know, this is really um, good that we're aware of before we get into the story, because God has put this before Abraham, this promise for him and his descendants. So um, we know that um, uh, we're going to look at Jacob and his family, these descendants of Abraham, and that this uh, family tree from Abraham leads to our story. So this, this promise of these descent, to these descendants is really important. Um, so Jacob, um, he's the father of Joseph, we're going to dive into, and this, uh, he's the grandson, that descendant of Abraham, for which God has made this promise. So this is the context and the setting where we're going to begin our story. Jacob and his sons are part of that heritage, part of that lineage, that descent um, to that promise from God. Um, and I think it's also worth taking a step backwards Um, And how does this um, interaction with Abraham, with his family tree, how does that fit with the whole narrative of the Bible? Well, if we look at the Bible, the Old Testament tells us of our relationship with God and his people, and that time and time again, human nature leads them to turn away from God, to, um, to mess up in disobedience, in selfishness, and we build up to this dilemma, which is our sin. We have a problem we cannot have a right relationship with God. Because our tendency to sin, it gets in the way, and we need a solution. And I think if we were to look at uh, what the, the story mountain of, of the Bible looks like, I think it would look a bit like this. Have we got another slide? This, yes. It's all leading to Jesus. 
And God provides us a solution for, his, for our dilemma of that sin by sending his son, Jesus, to die on our behalf, to rise again, conquering that sin, that death, providing us a way for that eternal relationship with God, that new covenant through Jesus. We are invited then into the story to share this good news of what Jesus has done with others again and again until he comes. And Jesus is the centre of the whole Bible. So knowing that, um, we're going to still keep on the line of family trees. And the, the gospel accounts, according to Matthew and Luke, I think if we go back, um, you might not be able to read it because there's a lot of names on there. But we will see that Jesus is also part of this family tree of Abraham. Uh, and if we read in the New Testament, in the letters from Paul, he explains to us that because of who Jesus is, of what he's done, we no longer have to be related We don't have to be in that family tree of Abraham to inherit that promise of God. It says, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So we've got Abraham, we've got the family of Jacob, and we've got Jesus. And when we know that big story of the Bible, we know that it's all leading to Jesus. So with that said, hopefully you see where our story fits in. And hopefully I want to get you on board to be, um, you're invested, interested in what happens to the descendants of Jacob. Because we know that Jacob's family needs to survive. We know that we need to get to Jesus through Jacob's family. What is going to happen? So with all that said, I think it's probably time we actually get into uh, our scripture this morning. uh, To read from Genesis 37, if you've got it with you, I I invite you to join with me. Um, But as we do so, um, I want a bit more... uh, participation for me this morning. Uh, I'm going to introduce us to the characters as we dive in. Um, and as I read the opening verses, if you want to put your hand up every time you hear a new character, someone you've not been introduced to before, and we'll see who we've got in this story. So I'm going to read from Genesis 37, verse 1. It says, Jacob, Thank you. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, uh, a young man of 17, he was tending flocks with his brothers. Brothers, thank you. Uh, The sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. uh, And he, he brought their father a bad report of them. Now, Israel... Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he had made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and they could not speak a kind word to him. Um, So I don't know if you were counting how many we've got. We've got about five or six, perhaps, characters just in these opening four verses. Jacob, Joseph, brothers, Bilhah, Zilpah, and Israel um, is what I've got. But actually, Jacob and Israel are actually the same person. Um, I'm not going to go into it now. Go back a bit in Genesis. He's just got two names. So same character, Jacob. So Jacob, um, he's the grandson of Abraham. We've talked about that. And he has got 12 sons, of whom one of which is Joseph. Joseph, here we meet, is a, is a young teenage boy. He's only 17. Uh, and he's out with his brothers. Um, we don't see much about his brothers at this point, just brothers. Um, but we know that Jacob is clearly the favourite among the brothers. Um, we also introduced to some other characters, Bilhah and Zilpah, um, Jacob's wives. Um, so we haven't got very far in this story before 
we've got quite a good picture that this might be quite a big family, quite a complicated family, perhaps. Um, so if we take a closer look into this family that we're walking into, um, Jacob's family. Jacob has four, four wives. Um, we've got uh, Leah and Rachel are actually sisters. Um, and then we've got Zilpah and Bilhah, which are the, the handmaids, the servants of his two wives, Leah and Rachel. Um, and just a bit of background, Jacob actually really wants to marry Rachel, but he is tricked by his uncle into marrying her older sister, Leah. Uh, they're also his cousins. Um, and then it's very complicated, very messy story. Um, and the reason that Bill, her, and Zilpah are there is because when uh, his wives, Leah and Rachel, were able to have children, they gave their servants to him so that they could bear children for him. Uh, so here we are, Jacob, multiple wives, multiple sons. Um, and I don't know about you, when I first started reading the Bible about seven years ago, I wasn't really expecting to see these kind of people in, in the Bible, more like that they would be on Jeremy Kyle or something like that. Um, I don't think I'm overstating when I say this is quite a messy family. It's complicated. Uh, there's a lot going on here. Um, I d yeah, there's just a lot. But um, I think not only is it a big family, a messy, com complicated family, but we've seen in the passage that um, the dynamics are difficult as well. It's not a peaceful family. There is envy. There is favoritism. Um, and that just adds to the complexity of this family that we're looking at. Um, but we've missed out one important character. Um, despite the numerous that we've been introduced to, um, throughout the story of Joseph, we're going to see God. God is going to be such a big main character. We're going to see his sovereign hand, his providence, underneath, beneath, between, under, over, everything that happens in this story. And every, even here in these opening four verses, I think it's teaching us a lot about the character of God. We see God's willingness to come into a messy, complicated, difficult lives. And as the story unfolds, we're going to see God at work. His promises will advance through the lives of these people, this complicated family. And I think this is encouraging for us. Um, I know quite a lot of you in this room. I know some of your stories. Um, and although I'm fairly confident that you don't have four wives at the same time, um, and maybe you didn't marry your cousin, um, I think we all know that families can be hard. Um, families can be broken. They can be separated. Maybe they're distant. And they can be a cause of a lot of stress. And they can be a cause of a lot of pain. But what we see here already is God is not put off by our messy situations, our complex circumstances. God is bigger than the opening of our story. And we're all formed by our own stories. We all have our own families, our own circumstances, our own situations. And there's no doubt that that forms a part of who we are. But we're not defined by it. God isn't put off by it. He wants to be part of it and he wants to transform it for good. God is bigger than our stories. Okay, so we've been introduced to the characters. We know where we are. Um, 
But I want to move on a bit to our, our, in the rest of our passage today, which actually gives us the sermon title, which I haven't told you yet, um, but it's actually Dreams from God. So we're going to move on and read um, from verse 5. It says, Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. So his brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Um, And if you don't know what a sheaf is, um, this this is a sheaf. Um, But I will continue on. Um, Then he dreamed another dream, and he told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his fathers and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. So here we have Joseph, and he's, um, he's had some dreams, and he's sharing them with his brothers. Uh, and given all that we've kind of seen already in this family, in this story, and that dynamic with his brothers, um, when we first met Joseph, we saw that he was telling a bad report of them. We don't know if that was a truthful report, whether it was um, him just being honourable um, and giving his father what the facts were, or whether he was being a telltale. Um, we don't necessarily know, um, but I think either way, he wasn't building bridges with his brothers. Um, and I think when, when you see this, um, you can understand perhaps the reaction from the brothers. Um, we knew that it wasn't going to go down well. And for me, when I read this, Joseph kind of appears to be a little bit naive, um, maybe slightly unwise to share this in the way he has. Um, some may even go as far as to say he's being prideful or arrogant and sensitive. Um, but I don't think we get the best best first impression of Joseph's character. He's not done anything too bad, but um, it doesn't come across quite uh, as well. Um, But I think in looking at what Joseph is doing with these dreams that he's been given, um, I think there's some things for us to take note of, to learn from this story, to watch out for. Um, And that's just how we handle our dreams, or how we handle words from God. And just as God gave Joseph dreams, um, God might give uh, you dreams. He might speak into your life. Um, In fact, the Bible is filled with promises that we can receive, that we can enjoy, that we can be blessed by um, from God. God might even give you a specific vision, a specific dream, um, a specific calling on your life, perhaps. Um, But how we handle them is going to be important. Um, and I think God, we see in, in this, uh, this story of Joseph, um, and you can maybe think that, that Joseph was being a bit, um, he was boasting perhaps, maybe. Um, and God does not give us these dreams, he does not speak into our lives in order that we can gain superiority or to vindicate us or that we may boast or get approval from others. Um, and we see how much Joseph sharing this it sows that discord amongst his family. His brothers hate him even more for his words. But Joseph isn't wrong. Joseph is right. These dreams that he's had will come to pass. We're going to see that in the rest of the story. He is going to rule and he is going to be in a position of power over his brothers and his father. 
His dream is right, but the way he handles it is perhaps not the best. And I think as well, as we move on through the weeks, going further into the story, I think if Joseph truly knew what these dreams meant for him, if he knew what he was going to go through, what was coming ahead in these stories, would he have shared this in this way? I'm not sure whether he would have. Now, our passage doesn't tell us what Joseph was thinking when he shared these dreams. A lot of this is me um, having little thinks on maybe what he would be feeling, what we would do. But I think it's important to recognise the ways in which we may get wrong-footed or mishandled our own dreams, our own visions, our own words, promises from God. And we can learn from this story. And I don't know what God has spoken over your life. Perhaps it's a calling to a particular job, a particular role, a vision for his kingdom he has given you, a promise for your family or for your children. Maybe it is the promises that we read in scripture of God's love, of who we are, of his promises for us, for that eternal life. Whatever it might be, I think sometimes we can misunderstand and mishandle and we can learn from Joseph's experience. I think the first place that we might go awry is that we can sit back, we can relax and we can say, God has promised this over me. I'm going to sit and receive from him. Um, But we see time and time again in the Bible that God doesn't often work this way. Um, A lot is going to happen for Joseph between this dream and it becoming a reality. We don't just sit still. Joseph doesn't sit still and just receive. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing to consider um, from Joseph's dreams here is that God does not give dreams and words and promises to us because we are suitable or because we are ready, because we're righteous enough, or because we are of good enough character. I look to the Joseph in this passage. He's young, he's naive, he's immature, and a little bit unwise. I can also look at Joseph's situation, see how easy it might have been for him to believe that God has spoken this over him because of who he was. He was adored, he was lavished upon by his father, he was put on this pedestal. He was better than his brothers, of course, God spoke this to him. But God does not give us promises based on what we've done. Our character, our qualities, he gives them because of who he is, because of his character. And I think there might be some of us here today, we tend to get a little bit you know, puffed up by that sense that God has spoken to me, yes. Maybe he's given you dreams about yourself, about others, but it's about who he is. But you also might be here today and maybe you've not been a Christian very long. Maybe you feel like you don't know enough. You're not skilled enough. You're not useful enough for God to want to speak to you. But it's not about you. It's not about your character. It's about his and finally, I just want to, um, yeah, just to look at the fact that we may receive a dream, a vision, a word from God and assume, yes, God has spoken this over me. Life's going to be straightforward. I know where I'm going. Life is going to be easy. God has told me this is happening. And we're going to see in the story of Joseph that although this is right, this dream is going to come to fulfillment. He will end up as that in position of power, that ruler over his family, but 
Joseph is going to be brought to his lowest point. He's going to be humbled. He's going to go through really tough times before his dream becomes a reality. Life is not going to be straightforward for Joseph. It's not going to be easy. And you might be in that position this morning. You know what God has promised you. God has spoken over your life. Once upon a time, he told you something. But you're sat here, you're a bit confused. You're at a loss. Maybe even hurt, because in your situation right now, how God could bring this to pass, it's impossible. But God does not give us these promises to reassure us of an easy life. If anything, prepare for the opposite. God speaks so that we are equipped. We can be strengthened. We have an anchor to hold on to when those times of rejection, of confusion, of distraction, maybe even delays to those dreams, betrayals, temptations. We can hold fast to what God has spoken What he said will come to pass. God has given this to equip us through the difficult times. God hasn't forgotten. God won't let go. God is still with you. We need to just have faith that he will be faithful. Now we've only just scratched the surface um, of the story of Jacob's family, of Joseph, of everything that he's going to do. But I think we've been, taught, we've, we've been taught a lot through this passage about who God is and what he wants to do. We've reflected on that bigger story that God invites us into through Jesus um, and see how that family of Jacob is in that bigger picture and how we are too. No matter how dysfunctional, no, no matter how messy, God's character is bigger than us. God's story is bigger than our story. But before we leave this meeting today, um, the, the title of this whole series is called God Meant It for Good. God Meant It for Good. But I want to ask you, what is your story? Where did your story start? Is it messy? Is it complicated? What has God spoken over your life? What has he told you? What are the promises in the Bible that we can read and know about who we are as believers? Can you see what God is doing? Can you see what God has already done? Or are you in a place where all you can think about is how on earth is God meaning this for good? So as we think about The Joseph story, as we think about the story of Jesus, we think about the bigger picture of God's story that he invites us into. What is your story?